Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. I genuinely think he wanted to rape and or kill me. I go back to school in a few days and I'm so terrified he or someone else will follow me. I realized at this point that the car was following me and there was no one in sight to notice. So I needed to get away quickly. When she was looking at Joey's text, he told whoever was coming to pick him up the information on everyone at my aunt's house basically instructing his friend to come rob and rape us. From Killer Podcasts. True tales of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Hello and welcome back to the show. This Valentine's Day, Disturbed is reminding us that finding your soulmate isn't all puppy dogs and rainbows. It can be rough out there. How rough? These stories of evil exes and disaster first dates are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the horror of finding love. Our first story is from Reddit user Abigail Williams, 1692. This time of year, when you give someone sweet nothings, you might end up getting sweet revenge. When I was 16, I decided to surprise my parents with a bouquet of flowers for Valentine's Day. We've always celebrated this as a family holiday rather than a romantic one. I didn't have a car to drive to a florist, but my high school was within walking distance of a hospital which boasted a gift shop that sells floral arrangements. So between classes during the week of Valentine's Day, I set off for the hospital by my lonesome, cutting across my campus to walk through a network of side roads populated with specialty doctor's offices that kept odd hours. You know, the sort of buildings where traveling doctors mainly hold surgical consultations or perform small procedures a few times a month. The trip through there passed without incident. As I was walking back through said deserted roads with a vase of flowers in tow, I noticed an unkempt 90s car close behind me. While my memory of the car is hazy, I was left with the impression that there were at least two men inside whose faces I couldn't see. At first, I thought the driver was simply afraid of hitting me since they weren't passing by. So I made a point of dramatically trudging further into the grassy shoulder off the road, demonstrating to them that they could safely drive ahead. They still refused to pass me, though, and continued to creep along behind at a slow pace. 
As I started to suspect that the driver was more interested in me than a destination, I began to walk faster. The car confirmed my suspicions by matching my speed. Despite the impracticality of my shoes and the threat of spilling water from the vase, I started to run as fast as I possibly could. They hit the gas and again matched my speed. I realized at this point that the car was following me and there was no one in sight to notice, so I needed to get away quickly. I bolted into the first parking lot that I saw. The car turned in after me. Despite there being only two or three cars in the spacious front parking lot, there was no other signs of activity at the office, and the car didn't stop to park. Instead, the driver pursued me into the under-construction backlot behind the office. It passed every available parking spot to corner me against a pile of debris and rubble from the construction, coming to a diagonal stop less than three feet away from me. Before anyone could emerge from the vehicle, I somehow managed to scale the small hill of rubble. I jumped, vase in hand, from its peak to land painfully on the other side. Fortunately for me, I landed in a plot of undeveloped land within sight of my high school campus. I took a quick peek over my shoulder to see if they were still in pursuit. The car had sped off after I reached the top of the rubble pile and was now nowhere in sight. They hadn't parked in the lot at all. They had no business there. There was no denying that the driver was following me. I sprinted at top speed and didn't stop until I was soaked with sweat in the dead of winter, panting as I walked into the student lounge. My classmates didn't seem to give a damn when I told them what had happened. Maybe because our hometown is supposedly a human trafficking capital and the crime rate is outrageous. In retrospect, I should have told an adult, alerted campus security, and called the police. But I was young and insecure. I was afraid of getting in trouble for leaving campus when I didn't have a signed permission form. I kept trying to convince myself that I had misread the situation or I was overreacting. And I don't know what I would have even told the police had I called them. I was entirely ignorant on the subject of cars and I couldn't have identified the make of it at all. And, and I couldn't see the faces of the driver or his passenger. I was also worried that my parents would restrict my already limited freedoms if they had known I had been in danger. I feel horrible for never telling anyone, and I earnestly hope that my secrecy hasn't led to someone being hurt or killed. Our next story is narrated by Tara Ash and comes to us from user Pothos Babe Be Like OV. Sometimes people look for love in all the wrong places, like the aftermath of a car accident. One night as I was leaving my friend's house, I accidentally backed into a brick mailbox across the street. My bike rack hit the mailbox, so my car was okay, but it completely demolished the mailbox. No big deal. It's why we have insurance, right? I went to the neighbor to tell them what happened and gave them my insurance, phone number, and name. All I got was his first name, 
Robert. From the get-go, this dude was creepy. He kept hitting on me, kept trying to date me, specifically trying to feed me. I left my friend's house and drove back to my mom's. I attend an out-of-state college and live with my dad out there. Robert began to text and call me. He was insistent that it was better for both of us to just pay out of pocket for the mailbox, sending me links to companies that could fix it up for $500, etc. He demanded I go on a date with him so I could give him the cash for the repair and he could feed me. I don't know what his deal with food was. I declined everything, but started to get annoyed by his constant texts and calls. Finally, after two days of it, with my only response being, please contact my insurance, I sent him a text saying that he was harassing me. I blocked him, but he made a new number and threatened to report it as a hit and run to the police. Look, I'm in law school. This wasn't a hit and run. I blocked the second number. Then using a third number, he texted me to ask if I wanted him to send a screenshot or video of the accident to his insurance company. I admit this third infraction made me angry. I called this number and he threatened to report the accident as a hit and run. He asked me on another date and tried to entice me to just pay cash. I was digging my nails so hard into my thigh, I drew blood, and I finally screamed, don't contact me again, you fucking inbred piece of shit. My dad overheard me and was upset that I said that to someone I was in an accident with. He said that this guy thought I was cute and just wanted a date. I blocked the third number. The next day, he reaches out again to tell me that I gave him the wrong policy number. After I told him that I didn't, he said it'd be easier to pay cash, that I was the problem, etc. I guessed that he was talking to his insurance, but he tried to validate my info. He had my mom's name, address, and phone number. After I verified it, I told him not to contact me again and blocked this new number. Next morning, super early, I get a text basically saying he finished the claim and that I was awful for making it harder than it needed to be by going through insurance and for not going on a date with him. He included, you're so beautiful and ugly at the same time. Don't take risks. Stay on the good path. Goodbye. At this point, I got scared. Fifth number blocked. Then at midnight, he texts, you up? I know where you live. Don't try and screw me over on the insurance. I'll report it as a hit and run. You should have gone on a date with me. I took the phone to my dad, showed him the texts, and filled him in. My dad, a pretty scary dude, calls the guy. Robert answered, shoot, I knew you were into me. Want to come over? My dad got very mad. He said this was beyond harassment, that this was his final warning to not contact me, that we didn't care how he reported it, etc. Robert began saying I came on to him and offered sex as payment, that I invited him to my house and was a horny bitch. Instantly blocked, police contacted, insurance notified, everything. The next day, after my protective order was filed, I got another text telling me I shouldn't have involved the police. 
As I block the seventh number, I notify the police and go stay at my dad's because this guy doesn't have this address. My dad is a very tall, very scary dude who loves his Second Amendment. Late last night, I was watching Star Wars with my dad and older brother when the doorbell rings. Dad goes to see who it is, and it's fucking Robert with a trash bag filled with things I left at his house. I call the police, and my dad goes ballistic on this guy. Eventually, the police come and arrest him. What was in the bag? Lingerie, a knife, some lip balm, and a Dita Von Tess fetish book. I just met with an attorney. He was arrested for stalking, trespassing, felony assault for trying to push my dad and spit on him, insurance fraud for the lies he told about the accident, possession of a deadly weapon with intent, and attempted breaking and entering. They just kept adding on the charges. The plot twist? Robert doesn't own the house. He's an illegal immigrant. Now he's being deported back to his wife. I feel guilty that he's being deported. But I genuinely think he wanted to rape and or kill me. I have kept my friend, his neighbor, informed through the whole process. Thank God he hadn't reached out to her except for a video of me backing into the mailbox. I go back to school in a few days and I'm so terrified he or someone else will follow me. You're listening to Disturbed. We'll be right back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No 3am, the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the matrix, cult leaders, missing 411, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters, it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast. Our third story features narration by Kyra Cornett and describes a romantic proposition from Joey Crack. A truly hellish offer. This happened when I was in my early 20s. My best friend was always getting into risky shit. Let's refer to her as KK. She was always getting into harder drugs, while I was more of a pothead. When they say weed was a gateway drug, I didn't believe them. But it worked like that for my friends with addictive personalities. KK definitely developed an addiction issue later on from her pot smoking. KK was always trying to meet people. She used to friend random people on Facebook or Instagram, and she would ask me to come along whenever they would meet up, just so I could be the buffer in case they didn't like each other. 
One day, she came over to my house unannounced and was like, hey, let's go to my uncle's house. My aunt was there and she has some goods. Her aunt happened to be down the road from me. And her aunt and uncle were known as the dealers in the area. So we went. When we got there, she was like, hey, I met this guy online. He goes by Joey Crack. Then she shows her aunt his pictures of this wide-set man with a red goofy face, cornrows, a couple face tattoos, and a gold grill. I laughed and said, wow, KK, you really know how to pick him. She had already invited him over, though. When he arrived, he showed up out of nowhere and just walked right up and gave KK a hug. And then everyone else there a kiss on the cheek. In this part of town, there was nothing around. Just houses, a school, and miles of woods. Even the closest store was about 20 minutes away. So it struck me as odd that he walked there. It was me, KK, her aunt, and her aunt's friend. We all sit down on the front porch and get three joints in rotation. And at this time, both ants are already high as a kite on coke. They take a few puffs and then go inside the house, leaving me, KK, and Joey Crack outside. Joey starts asking questions like how we know each other, what we do for a living, etc. It was getting pretty late, so I was telling her I was going to go home. She was like, no, don't go yet. I told her I was tired and that Joey's weird, and he kept low-key hitting on me. She then tells me he asked to sleep with her and he wanted to ask her if I was down. I laughed it off and told her she was crazy. And after a moment of silence, I heard some noise that came from the darkness off the porch. Did you hear that? I asked the group. Nobody responded. After a bit of small talk between Joey and KK, he learned that neither of us was interested. It was just a hangout. You could feel the mood swing and it was suddenly eerily quiet. He started acting more reserved shifting his eyes between KK and I. I sat down after a while to make KK more comfortable. But at one point, I turned to Joey and asked him, what are you about to do? Because I'm about to go home and KK's coming with me. He responded, I just texted my boy. He's going to come get me. While he was texting, KK was right behind him watching him as he texted. Her eyes grew wide and locked with mine, a silent code for what the fuck. KK broke the silence, saying... Hey, come help me get this thing from inside to bring out, to me. After we went inside, she was like, I'm gonna call my uncle so he can take us to your place. I asked her why, when my house was a 10 minute walk. When she was looking at Joey's text, he told whoever was coming to pick him up the information on everyone at my aunt's house. He noted that her aunts were high on coke, that we were smoking weed along with our age, basically instructing his friend to come rob and rape us. He even called dibs on the blonde one, I was the blonde one. Every hair on my body stood up at the thought of some goon trying to have his way with me. I was mad at KK too for getting me into this mess. We came back out and continued our conversation with Joey so he wouldn't get suspicious of us. And she mentioned out loud that her uncle was on the way home. As he pulls in, a sigh of relief came over me. They speak briefly and then Joey walks off into the darkness before his ride even shows up. KK and I got a ride from her uncle to my house. And on the ride, we noted how weird Joey was. Later that night when I was going to bed, I checked my Facebook. It's a friend request from Joey and a message. You're so pretty, I'd love some alone time with you without your friend. The message ended with his number. I never block someone so fast. KK might not have learned her lesson from this one, but a week later, Joey was in the news for sexual assault, robbery, and drug possession. A bullet well missed on my part. In our final tale of love gone wrong, we feel the violation of a first date 
with horrific consequence. Narration by Michaela Ray. So a bit of backstory. This happened in February 2019. I was only 16 at the time. I got set up on a semi-blind date by a mutual friend. I exchanged photos with this guy we will call Cameron. He was 19, three years older than me. Cameron seemed like your average guy. Maybe a little into video games and anime and stuff, but overall nothing my friend told me about him indicated he was off in any way. Our mutual friend gave us each other's numbers and we texted for a night. We decided to meet in a Starbucks the next day since we were both free. I don't usually like to meet new people this soon, but I figured since Cameron knew my friend, it couldn't possibly go wrong. How mistaken I was. I arrived a little early and ordered my coffee. I like to buy it so that the guy doesn't feel like he has to buy it for me. I sat up on a seat facing away from the door and pulled out my book. I'm there for maybe 15 minutes just reading when I get a text saying he's here. So I'm like, great, I'm at the back table. Immediately, I feel a presence over my shoulder. So I turn my head slightly in acknowledgement. It must be him. Before I even get the chance to squeak out a hello, his lips latch onto my neck and he starts sucking on my neck. I don't like people touching my neck at the best of times. I'm very ticklish and I get super uncomfortable by people so much as touching my neck. The few times I've had massages or hair treatments, I have to hold in my discomfort. He latched onto my neck like a leech. To add to the disgust I was feeling in the situation, this man smelled horrendous, like if dust was a cologne. I freak out and elbow him in the chest to get him the hell off of me. He lets go, looks at me in this weird expression on his face, and laughs in deadpan. It's really creepy, and I start to get worried. I ask him, what the hell was that? And he just says, I thought it was cute. Cute? In what world? I try to have a conversation. In my head, I'm like, okay, first impressions don't mean anything. Let's try and give him a chance. He's just creepily staring at my chest. He says, wow, I didn't know Asians could have boobs like that. I better not let you go. Direct quote. I cannot make this shit up. I'm distinctly uncomfortable, but I don't want to just walk away. He's giving me really weird vibes. I finally decide to go into the ladies' room and wait for someone else to come in. This lady enters, and I ask her to help me get out undetected. I don't want this man following me home or some shit. She, of course, agrees, and she lends me her hat and scarf. It's February in the UK, after all, and we come out of the bathroom together. She manages to sneak me out the back door of the Starbucks without him noticing. He asks my friend where I went, but I told him to never mention me again. I was too terrified. That friend told me off for leaving without telling Cameron saying that I was horrible and I should have given him a chance. I unfriended him, too. You can't have people like that in your life. I know I could have been more polite and could have told Cameron I was leaving, but I was honestly just too scared. I'm fine. It's been over a year and bar a glimpse. I've not seen Cameron since. But to the guy who decided it was appropriate to suck my neck before we had even said hello, let's not meet again. Disturbed is a production of Killer Podcasts, a part of the Evergreen Network. 
For more paranormal and true crime shows, visit KillerPodcasts.com. Follow our social channels at Disturbed Podcast on Instagram or Disturbed underscore pod on Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your favorite listening platform. Share your own true horror story at disturbedpodcast.com. Music by Epidemic Sound and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Our producers are Noah Fouts and Elizabeth Flood. Our audio engineer is Nathan Corson. Executive producers Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Till next time, stay safe out there. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.